Konnichiwa. It's Zacklingly Chi-Chi. I'm so popular. And today I'm joined by one of my favorite podcasters in the whole sphere uh, to discuss Kanye West's two albums, Yeezus and The Life of Pablo. Who are you? I'm Eddie from Car Crash. Hi, Eddie from Car Crash. What are you doing? I'm just um, hanging out. I have a, uh, a Madden game I was playing when we did our, our little introductory conversation earlier, just getting eased in. I'm um, just staring at uh, some some game menu talking to you, Zach. Oh, cute. I love leaving like a game menu on and just like having that fill a room. That's <laughs> <laughs> my entire. I I balled out. Um, once I say I like stopped spending money indiscriminately for a while and bought a big TV. So I was like, you know, gotta gotta treat it. myself to to having a light video game um, session once every six months. <laughs> Perfect. And I have to ask you, Eddie, why do you follow me? I I knew this was coming. You know, I'm a big fan. Um, I didn't. I was trying to think. I think it was. I guess probably initially because I saw you did an episode with Dasha, or it was probably related to Jack. Um, somehow. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact thing, but I remember being very taken aback by our first. Um, conversation. I think it was the first time I had like reached out to invite you on Car Crash, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I love Car Crash." Listen, and you like named like something specific from an episode, so like I knew you would have listened or something. And I was like, "Oh shit, the fuck?" Yeah. I well, I am deeply obsessed with Car Crash. I think it's uh, one of the most compelling podcasts going on in the in the scene right now, and especially thinking about kind of like the <clears throat> like the gap like left by stuff like Cometown or whatever. It feels really refreshing to have a podcast that totally exists in like this physical space of the friendship you have uh, with Ryan and Gary. And the whole project is um, very life affirming and joyous and very funny without trying to be. And it's such like a authentic look into the worlds that you three share that I just can't help but be obsessed. And the Blue Pill Handjob episode is one of my favorite podcast episodes of 2021. So I'm just totally obsessed with Car Crash and so glad to find you, finally have you on the show. Yeah, shout out Red Pill Girlfriend. Car Crash is basically a factory for making perfect I'm So Popular guests. We kind of molded Red Pill Girlfriend in a, a perfect image and sent them on your way. Absolutely. <laughs> she is like such a star and... Um, what a like a wonderful like fit for your show and i love like the uh way that it kind of mingles both internet narratives of a uh, red pill girlfriend's relationship with jack like all the way into a uh, manifesting like a follow back i find mm-hmm. like the whole uh uh mechanics of like this show actually like affecting people's uh, little internet lives to be very sweet <laughs> i would i would like her a lot more if she didn't cancel every episode i initially reach out for her to do <laughs> if she didn't just like have to do like a false start every time we do an episode with her or something um that would be better for sure but i i still love her she's a, a good person one of the best features of uh car crash is the uh, hip-hop uh and rap sort of a entry music you're you're really good at like setting a tone for the episode and uh i think that like kanye west and hip-hop and rap music is like kind of a one of like the aesthetic unifying uh factors of the show so 
I'm kind of curious to hear a little bit about like what your relationship with a uh, rap is as a uh, white guy with a New Jersey background. Jesus Christ, dude. We're about like literally if you just let me go and you didn't say like, okay, so say I was going to start this and I was like really into my whole self narrative I have in my head and I was like could just go off for hours. We would literally just end the episode when I was like, and yeah, that's pretty much it. You'd be like, all right, well, peace. Uh, that was a good episode. Um, see you later. Just out talking about the ep- or the albums at all, but uh, I guess it's it's my my dad was a um a big a big wigger. Can I say that? Is that fine? Am I gonna censor yeah, that out? Okay. Of course. Okay. Um. So he he like uh, not like not like seriously a wigger, but he he was very into rap music, and we had this um entertainment center surrounding our big fucking ginormous CRT uh big screen TV, um back in the day. And I would just like sit there and go through like album, like rap albums that I knew I wasn't supposed to be opening and just like sit there and like read through the booklets. And like if I was feeling ballsy enough, like steal a CD or two. Um, and I guess my, my dad would also like play like DMX and 50 Cent in the car because we before we moved to North Carolina, I lived in New Jersey, kind of hinted at that. Um, and we yeah. would take like. This is later on in it, really, so I guess I should probably skip this. But my dad would listen to a lot of, like, just classic 90s fucking New York rap. Uh, to the point where my dad would, like, work in Jersey Jersey City slash uh, New York City. And he actually had, like, bought one of, like, the early G-Unit mixtapes from, like, a, like, just, like, a genuine, like, unknown guy at the time. And my first introduction to 50 Cent was, like, when he was basically unknown. So I carried that in my, like, back pocket of coolness for a while with the... My friends at school, I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, I've been pretty much on 50 Cent forever. So even before, like, the shady, shady deal, I was pretty much on that. Um, yeah, but I... It, sorry, go. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I don't <laughs> think I really had anything, but it's just like, I was very... I, I would just be... Uh, I, I would think it was very cool to sit there and go through my dad's, um, like, Wu-Tang or Scarface or Tupac CDs in, like, 1998 and feel like I was doing something like bad by uh stealing a parental advisory stickered cd out of this entire rack of albums yeah i was extremely inexposed to like all rap music when i was like in high school and i definitely had like an aversion to it as well because uh my mother had always found it to be like really like vulgar and like something she like didn't want around in the house really and um I think at first I, I definitely adopted that kind of thinking, but um, I ended up coming to like kind of like love the vulgarity. And my, my first introduction to it was, of course, Kanye West. And he was basically the reason I can listen to rap music at all now. But I find that uh, developing a taste for hip hop was one of the most crucial things and me being able to be friends with straight people because straight guys love listening to rap music it's and the sitting ultimate around. unifying factor between the any sort of race or whatever background of any sort of straight male and then whatever uh culture needed to bridge the gap between if you have that in your back pocket no, absolutely you can, like, there's been i can't even innumerable times where i've been at a gathering, a party, or, like, a sitting outside with people, like, only kind of barely know, and, like, a rapper will come up or something, and I'll, like, try to throw out bait and just, like, be, like just drop something that I, where if I'm getting a read on the person, they'll be like, oh, shit. And more often than not, they'll be like, oh, fuck, you, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, dat me up drunkenly or something. 
like spit in my face. No, absolutely. And I think it's interesting for this cultural moment that we happen to be in now that rap has like superseded, you know, rock music as like the kind of uh, unifying musical uh, soundtrack to what's going on around us and like culture. Mm-hmm. And especially since as time has gotten, you know, longer and sort of like the Georgia, like Atlanta style, like rap that like, uh, you know, Travis Scott and like future kind of uh, popularized, like in the early 2010s, uh, that kind of becoming like more abstract and being the, the background music to everything going on feels especially like apocalyptic and decadent and alien and bizarre. Yeah, fully. And I like the, um, see, I, when you first, I'm, I'm from the, the, I'm pretty much an old head, so when you said the uh, the Georgia or Atlanta type thing, my first initial thought was to like go back to the era where you would go on like nawright.com, which is like a, a pretty popular like rap blog in like the early or like mid two thousands, um, and it would just be like people railing against ringtone rap, and they would be like these these rappers from <laughs> Atlanta don't they that's not real hip-hop like you know we need like some boom bap we need some dj premiere um scratches in between you know it's a, what is it the the four elements of hip-hop we need to bring that back we need to bring back b-boys we need to bring back graffiti you need to be um, a master at all of those before you tell me about what rap music is and it'd be like some angry old black guy on a radio show just saying all that um but i do like the fact that that eventually morphed into becoming like a more unanimous sort of uh expression of rap music in general to where it it got so abstract and like almost ironic at a certain point like i don't know if it was intentional for some of the people who were putting out shit that's like genuinely like some of the best comedy of all time like under the guise of being a rap song or something i guess lil b probably did a lot for that too but Definitely, like Lil B and like Young Thug, especially who I like really am obsessed with. Like, I'm not familiar with Young something Thug really, really outside of like his features. Oh, yeah, you should get into like uh some of his uh like slime uh mixtapes that he did. They're really really weird, and I have a uh, visceral memories of uh doing acid and like driving or okay not me driving but being like driven around while I was on acid in like Eugene, Oregon, in the blaring sun, like listening to this music and. Uh, there was a specific summer of my life where I was, like, smoking weed every day and, like, hanging out with straight boys and just, like, sitting around and, like, having, uh, like, young thug kind of a float around and, like, these, like, distended, bizarre songs about, like, nothing and everything at the same time mm-hmm. feels uh, definitely, like, the end of days and is very, uh, very akin to the I'm so popular at, like, haunted apocalypse mall vision. I really, that, like, my, my, my initial love of, like, rap music in general, I don't know if this is, like, gonna seem like I'm just, like, an appropriating wigger or something to people who maybe have never heard me talk, but it's, like, really informed the way I thought about anything. Because, I mean, shortly after getting into to rap, I would, like, I was so just like just upset like uh, comically obsessed with it. Not like I would like try to like wear Fat Farm fucking clothes and like Tim's everywhere or anything, but I would be like this is there's something to this that works for me also. And any sort of creative thing I did after that, whether it was like I started off like making beats in like 8th grade of fucking middle school and like being like, okay, I need to figure out how to make beats. And then just like I like the concept of 
not because I'm not like an inherently musically talented person or like I'm not even an inherently like artistically talented person, like in the, the least bit. But I like the concept of uh, and this is why, like, you know, like early like 90s New York rap appealed to me is because they were just literally stealing other people's shit and then just like mangling it to the point where it just created an entirely different thing. Like, I liked filling in the gaps of, like, maybe, like, savant-type talent with just, like, just knowing how to craft a mood. Even if even if you're just looping, like, a four-bar wow, yeah. sample, um, it's not, like, the most technical. You don't need to be – you could be a, a, a monkey and do it. I don't mean to sound racist. That's just, like, I was just – you could just be, like, an imbecile <laughs> and do it. Um, and then – but it <laughs> – it, 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 you, if you can craft a mood, it's like it's you, it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing. I don't know. No, I mean that's so true, and I hadn't thought about samples that way. But the fact that this whole medium is like based around like recycling like content, uh, you know, initially at first like you know not legally, and uh, you know picking stuff up out of the cultural zeitgeist and like mangling it and uh, beating it into submission to make something new and, uh, you know, intentional with your own music is definitely something important to, like, my mission. Like, there's so much cultural garbage and, like, crap and, you know, endless amounts of sound that you're just constantly exposed to as you're, like, walking around the world. It's just just fucking blasted at your face at every moment. Yeah, it's like the Twin Peaks electricity. It just is, like, this constant, like, Like, literally. That's the only thing I think of whenever that pops up in that series. Yo, yeah, seriously, it's, like, this endless noise, and especially, like, in, you know, Tokyo and stuff, where when you are walking around, like, Shibuya or, like, the train stations, there's just constant, like, high-pitched voices, like, squeaking at you, and so much, like, you know, garbage sound everywhere that it's very, you know, it's very liberating that in, you know, rap music, people can, like, take some of that noise, like, mangle it enough and, like, tie it together to, like, create something new with and i have a lot of uh admiration for that kind of uh ethos in music production yeah a lot of people love to shit on sampling and it's like a, it's like a classic like white dude who like has a ever has every target Jimi hendrix and pink floyd t-shirt at your high school who's like yeah rap you just add c and it's crap actually and it's like okay for sure there's not like it's not the same thing as like mastering an instrument like and being able to just like just just master uh, any sort of musical instrument but it's there's it's not it's more interesting to me and my sensibilities the the art of like sampling or being able to just take what's already existing and just like craft it in a way and make it your own um that's that's always been a very uh, appealing concept to me I, i'm not really sure why I'm not sure what about, like, in my lizard brain that hits, uh, but it definitely hits it, and it has for a while. So I was very, that was my, my original, like, enjoyment of Kanye is, you know, for a while there's, I was, like, literally, I'm pretty sure I got the college dropout. It, I might be messing up this timeline here. It was a very early, like, a surprisingly early buy for me to, like, beg my mom to buy me the, the CD. It, like it was, I was remember being like, "This is cool because he's like the only rapper who's bringing back sampling, and also he's like not 
you know, when you're like younger and you're into rap and you're like, are trying to be like, you're like, start off being kind of pretentious about it. You're like, yeah, this guy ain't rapping about bitches and drugs, dude. He's like, this is like real life stuff. This is like, this is like the person I could be relating to when I actually have responsibilities or something. And then fucking, I was like, no, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm riding with this guy for like ever now after the college dropout. Yeah, because um, I had, actually one of the first episodes I ever recorded of the show was about Kanye West, and uh, it had a, a lot of uh, personal revealing details about me, so I locked it onto the Patreon. <laughs> so, um, I but the thing is, is that I've always like wanted to go back and talk more about like Kanye in particular, um, because I do think that he is like one of the most important like cultural like unlockers for me, like when I was developing my my artistic eye or whatever, and. Exactly what you said about sampling is something that an- immediately stood out to me because I had an aversion towards him until I was in high school. And I always remember being like really angry and like put upon that he did that Daft Punk sample in uh, what was, what was your, your first year in high school? I feel like that when you're talking about like youth and Kanye, I need, I need to know like specific years kind of to get a full yeah. picture. Here. Well, I was a, a freshman in, I guess, 24. 2010 yeah 2010 2010 or 2011 and when i was in middle school is uh when i would like wake up in the morning and like watch like vh1 with my dad when i had like breakfast and uh hearing like a stronger on vh1 and seeing that like akira music video for it i was like always like really weird about him one we're like one not an entire generation i don't really know how to how you would line up the generations for what i'm trying to express here but we're like one kanye generation like i'm one earlier than you basically yeah you're like one kanye iteration earlier than i like three (laughs) years like give it three years like i'll take uh, 2007 is uh, is pretty much year 2010 for me yeah, but when, because Yeezus was my, and I'll, I'll talk more about this when we get onto the album, but Yeezus was, like, my first, like, real Kanye album and my first, like, rap album that, I like, I ever truly loved. And so then when I, like, had that as my first entranceway into him and then going backwards and uh, seeing, like, what he did with, like, the Sparse production, like, 808s and Heartbreak and then hearing, like, the style that he did with, uh, you know late registration and in college dropout, I found that there was, like, so much, like, artistic merit and, like, something really, like, thrilling and uh, fascinating about, like, the way he used samples in those early records. I mean, it's really where I, like, adopted my entire, like, person, and not, like, consciously or anything, but just the entire, like, especially early Kanye ethos, that was, like, I was, like, this guy is being very genuine, whether it's genuinely true or not i i'm not, I, I don't know the guy as a person so i can't like concretely say but i was like okay this dude is just saying um whatever whatever he feels is appropriate at the time even if nobody else likes it um he's 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 a very funny person also very endearing um this personality there you could tell there's like something bubbling beneath the surface that especially after only after the first album wasn't like entirely apparent or even after like Late, late registration was really when you're like, okay, this person is like probably going to be someone that everybody knows for a very long time now at this point. And mm-hmm. it, it got to the point, like, I guess this is probably around late registration time when it came. I was like obsessed with Jay-Z. That was like my first, it was sort of like Kanye and Jay-Z at the same time. And obviously we know which one is better with hindsight now at this point. Um, it's Kanye for sure. And I right. remember being like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just making the switch because I would 
just like randomly download albums like with no rhyme or reason like i would just like google on old forums like best rap for beach and then just like just find a, a post it's like yeah you need to download reasonable doubt by jay-z and i was like heavy into jay-z at the time um when i first got back into rap music because you know i took a detour after the uh, the earlier story of going through my dad's like 90s rap cds like early 2000s rap cds and i like went into like okay well i n- now i need to listen to like corn and like cool m- like new metal bands or like cool rock stuff because i'm like kind of a cool like rock guy now um and i that that's what i was in i was like a i was like a fucking juggle not like i wouldn't like go around saying i was a juggle. i like loved insane clown posse for like the entirety of my middle school thing but like towards the end of that i was like let me let me try going back into just like standard to standard rappers again um because it kind of just like it wasn't appealing to me at the time but i got back into it with kanye um, and then late registration, I remember being like, okay, I'm, I'm fully back on board with this again. And I remember there was a, you talked about VH1 earlier. Do you remember the show Driven? Yeah, I do. Yeah, there was a Kanye episode of that where I like remember like a rogue mission. It came on like very late in the morning at one time where I like, I knew if like my parents saw me awake, they would like kind of bitch at me about it. So I like, had to like, sneak awake and like set my tv to record to a vhs tape that episode of driven with kanye west and i I, i've watched it a a fucking million times it was so it was so cool to me the entire thing um obviously it was just a a stupid like four tv documentary but um no but i think it's there's something really special about like kind of like the analog like relationship that we both have with him because i also remember like uh, I, like, checked his albums out from, like, the library and, like, burned them into my iTunes. And, like, it was really, like, a special experience for me to, like, uh, have to, like, find, like, zip files on the internet on, like, forums and stuff. And, like, have to, like, burn stuff onto iTunes and, like, unpack, like, zip files. Like, it made the music feel, like, more That's substantial to me. That's such an underrated exercise. Like, I can't express how, sa- like... This is probably going to, like, show my age here. Or, like, if you look back on this, maybe five years, maybe I'm misguided here. But I, I, the, the exercise of trying to find an album on the Internet, especially in the early days of the Internet, was so taxing and so fucking annoying that once you oh my finally God, got yeah. it, I, it was like it was even if it sucked, you would just listen to it constantly because it was like that. Well, I spent so much time trying to fucking find this, and maybe I just sucked at the internet when I was a kid. But I mean, it was it was very fun to do the uh, the digging type thing, and that's another thing. No, like, yeah, tying back into the the rap ethos thing. I love the concept of digging for anything and like having to. Like, maybe even in the early days, it was, like, mixing between, uh, like, physical media and then trying to find random blogs that had links to albums or something. It was a very mm-hmm. fun experience to be like, oh, I want to find this, uh, I want to find the Jay-Z sample for the song Regrets, the closing track on uh, Reasonable Doubt. And I remember fucking Googling, I don't even know who, Hubert Laws and Earl Clue, that's who it was. And it was from some fucking movie soundtrack. And I was just like, I just want to hear the original sample to see how different it is. It was like before YouTube, all that shit. And I was like, just racking my fucking brain trying to find this album forever on the internet. And then I took a trip to New York City 
um, with my family one year, and we just went to some like random dingy record shop, and the synchronicity um, lined up to where I was like just looking through like a rack of like bullshit seventy five cent records, and like I flipped to the next one, and it was that fucking album, and I was like, holy shit! Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. No, I, I, especially when it comes to like Kanye too, because um, one of the reasons that I, I fell in love with him is like. A lot of the great artists that I love from the contemporary moment are people who can curate their image and insist upon it and think about themselves like in the larger like orbit of, uh, you know, tabloid media and the cultural narrative around them that they are able to kind of transform their like lives along with their artistic products like into a single like artistic unit of like the life itself mm-hmm. which is something that uh like Mishima was fond of as well and like s- that impulse in-, in Kanye always really fascinated me and the kind of like postmodern way that his music you know interacts with uh his actual life and the way that like it affects each other back and forth like thinking about that and like having to like find like these zip files and like burn shit from the library and like you know, really work to, like, get, like, these files. Like, it, it feels like this really incredible, like, physical, like, creation that encapsulates, like, both, like, his entire artistic being and his life in, like, one unit when you finally, like, get that, like, download somewhere. Yeah, it's 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 genuinely fucking, I'm gonna, at the risk of sounding corny, it's, like, genuinely beautiful to me. Like, it was the entire reason I bought, and uh, I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with music equipment, there's a Akai MPC, which is a sampler, which Kanye, like, used the MPC 2000 XL um, early on in his career. I think, you know, the the um, the beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy video where he's, like, playing on the beat machine while the right. bird lady, that, that that's what that is. And it was the entire reason why I bought a, uh, a sampler, I bought an MPC 1000, is because I saw Kanye using an MPC, and I was like, that's fucking awesome. And it's sort of a... Uh, it was the weird in between between uh, completely physical uh, music like like beat type creation and then bringing in FL Studio later on. It has like it uses weird technology. The MPC one thousand has like a zip drive, like fucking slot on it. It's like the the weird middle ground in between completely digital and then completely analog. And I got one of those, and I just like would go down to my basement in like my freshman year of high school and like well i need to try to be kanye now and just like just (laughs) playing the most like just insane records and being like hmm is this my style is this how is this is this if i like made music is this what i would want to be presenting to people and just like kind of digging through and just trying to figure out how i could make other people's stuff my own like if it if i hadn't had that uh that inspiration from kanye's whole entire shit at that point i i I probably would not even be like be doing a podcast with you right now. I think that's no, how absolutely. deep that, that runs, really. Yeah, I mean that's a, what an incredible like thread, and uh, it's unfortunate because I think that you know the way that Kanye was able to curate his own like personal narrative into the larger artistic body of his existence in full, he kind of like fell victim to it, as I think we'll like get to talking about today. Mm-hmm. And I actually like kind of like don't like him right now like i'm really sick of him and like what's her name julia fox yeah i'm not i don't i I come from like my my early uh 
mentality was always from some sort of weird conspiratorial mindset um, for one reason or another. I, d- I don't like the Julia Fox narrative going on right now. Yeah, um, something dark is happening there. It's like it's not supposed to be happening, and I don't like watching it happen. And um, I think basically his music has been like pretty awful like since uh, Jesus is King, which is by far the worst thing he's ever done. And I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. And I, I do like Donda, but it's like such a such a mess and like kind of like a failure in comparison to everything else that he's ever mm-hmm. done that it's like kind of heartbreaking to see that like the the narrative of himself that he's so expertly crafted like as a part of his art has like ultimately like ended up eating him and like Kim Kardashian like kind of uh remained the the better master of her own image than he was ever capable of doing i've got to disagree on a few points here the uh i I like jesus is king it's not like entirely solid like the fucking chick-fil-a song doesn't do anything for me i do think there are gems on it um yeah i think so too i do i do empathize with the entire thing i loved i love if not only musically that entire media run he did while promoting that album is fucking hilarious to me and i I do genuinely like that i like that album more i mean honestly if i don't want to make grand sweeping uh statements about what my no i'm so popular is all about abandoning nuance make the statement (laughs) i I, i'll feel annoyed with myself if i say i like an album of kanye's more than another if i don't agree with it later on so i might refrain from that um i do like jesus king I'm not like it's not my favorite out of his discography, but I love it. And it's it's a lot of them are on equal footing in terms of just where I was in my life when it came out. I mean, a lot of people talk about Kanye albums and when they talk about Kanye albums, they're really talking about how much they enjoyed their life at the time when it came out. That is so true. Yeah, that's sort of a thing I've noticed with Kanye albums. They're like, nah, actually, the album that came out in 2007 is better than the one that came out in 2015 because, you know my life was better. Um, and I do think the, uh, the Julia Fox thing on one hand, I do definitely agree. There's something is not right there. Something is severely off, but also knowing the kind of how, you know, how he's trying to make his life be portrayed in, uh, his, his own narrative. The, um, the funniest thing he could possibly do after his wife starts like dating Pete Davidson is to start fucking Julia Fox like that. You cannot there. I don't think there's another person outside of like something cartoonish. Like he starts dating Cher or something or like another Kardashian. That That's the, the funniest person he could have possibly chosen to be like, yeah, this is the new person I'm going to be photographed with coming out of a restaurant. See, to me, what I wanted him to do was to date a tranny. Like, I've been waiting for Kanye to, like, to open no, no, date no. a tranny No, no, no. I can't get on board with that. I'm a straight Kanye fan. I can't get on board with that. Because he fucked be... Amanda Lepore. Do you know her? I, I is this the, this is the, the standard Kanye, like, fucked a, a person who was, like, texting him. Or, like, I, I don't know the story. I've completely blocked it out. I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to know about it. Um, if it, if it's real, sure. I'm just gonna I'm gonna become a, a black militant, black Israelite here, and go. It's just another case of the white media trying to take another yeah buck black breaking man down. yeah yeah buck breaking by yeah. a Kanye dating a tranny is like mm-hmm. definitely high camp. It's like um, Amanda Lepore is like this. Uh, she's a, a trans woman and like a drag queen who has like the most disturbing amounts of uh, 
plastic surgery you've ever seen. And I feel like Kanye has always, like, been into kind of, like, a, like the Terry Mugler, like, womanhood so overstated that it becomes, like, not even womanhood. It's, like, it's a femininity that is, like, so feminine that it's, like, a cartoon or, mm-hmm. like, anime, basically. Like, I feel like he's, like, into, like, what, like, an anime girl would, like, look like if she was, like, physically manifested. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I would love to see him date, like, some, like, trans woman, like, sex doll with, like, the biggest, like, fake tits you've ever seen and, like, lips, like, pumped up to, like, to heaven's <laughs> end. But, like, I know it's not going to happen yet, so, like, Julia Fox will have to do, but... Overall, I just, I, it's kind of a sad for me to see that what I once thought was like one of the most interesting American cultural art projects, which was uh, the life of Kanye West, has taken on kind of um, like a, a sad uh, and uh, faded tone. Yeah, as, it's uh, not, his career it's, progresses. It's, it's a lull right now, but he was also going so hard with like the, the stuff for Donda. It kind of makes sense. You know, everything, it's an ebb and flow. Like, literally. It's just, like, you can just look at Kanye and get the, I mean, even with, like, I guess I'm trying to work out the timeline here, even with, like, 2019 Jesus is King to, like, 2021 Donda, you kind of can weave in the COVID narrative with that, and that was, like, the really, the, 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 the spirit of the times, not relating to Kanye, but just there was, like, turmoil in the air to some degree, and then kind of, like, now we're sort of in this, like, transition between, like, post-COVID into whatever's going to be the the thing next. The next frontier, yeah. So it kind of, it just, like, mirrors how the uh, the discourse is going at the time. I do have a soft spot for Julia Fox, though. And early car crash um, narrative, you know, the second episode named Julia Fox's ass. So it's, it at least ties in with that for me, so I can at least claim, like, me and Kanye <laughs> still have some sort of level of synchronicity with each other. Like we still have that that psychic bond to where we're both on a similar wavelength, at least in relatively similar time spans. No, I definitely when what you said earlier about like uh, how Kanye albums are kind of like uh, just like mirrors for how much someone is enjoying their life, and it becomes like kind of a part of a. Uh, the way that they conceive their, you know, past selves or whatever. I think that's, like, really true in in that Kanye is, he makes, like, albums that are, like, single pieces of art, but, like, overall, like, the whole thing is, like, one stretch of an artistic musical expression. Mm -hmm. And I really like what Dasha and Anna said on their episode uh, talking about Donda when they both said, that like, yeah, like, this isn't, like, he hasn't, like, quite reached, like, the the sublimity of God that he's been, like, reaching for, like, since uh, Life of Pablo. But, like, seeing him, you know, keep making these grand gestures and, like, keep trying is, like, a part of the narrative. So if I think about it that way, I like the mess of Donda, like, quite a bit more. But um, nonetheless, as we look into these uh, two albums... That you we're know, going so to I gotta cut you today, off here. I do gotta, I yeah. gotta say this for any straight males who are listening to this episode. Um, I don't know what your demographics are like exactly, Zach. <laughs> but I, I will say, even though I agree with that sentiment, all my, my, my straight my straight male brothers out there, we know that you should never trust a woman's opinion fully about Kanye or rap in general. I got to make that disclaimer. Even though I that's do an, yeah, agree that's, that's with that. That's a good that, take. You, I think you that's can a good never, take. Especially not for Kanye. Um, certainly not for <laughs> most rap or the, the, the art form of rap. 
is not for women. I will say that 100%. At le- you can be a good, good female rapper. There are plenty that are fine. I would like Nicki I would, Minaj. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But it like if you're coming from the background of a online guy who likes rap music, you know inherently that you can never fully trust a woman's opinion on a rapper or a piece. I of love rap that music. Eddie is standing up for straight men right now. This is I very. Need, this I is need a very to say that moment. because even though you, I, it's just. There's always, if you take, if you talk to any girl in the world, I know a girl who I, I used to work with who was a Kanye fan, and there was just always one piece that wasn't right from my point of view. And it's just like every girl who talks about Kanye, there's one people like, I don't like that he does this. And you're like, no, you don't you don't get it because it, it's, it, it lines up for X and Y reason. No, I think um, this is actually a kind of a, a genius uh, thought here that you know, rap and Kanye is just merely not for girls. <laughs> like, I, like, not honestly. When like talk- when white dudes are at a party, I don't. I, I feel corny saying like white dudes. I, I feel really any dudes who are talking about rap music at, at a party or a gathering or whatever sort of social group you're in, and you're talking about rap. There's if you're a person who has been like obsessed with it or, like, has done what we were talking about earlier of, like, dug for an album in, like, the early-ish days of the internet. This really is more of an age thing, I guess, for, like, people who are my similar age when we got into it. Um, but there's there's a degree of commitment that comes with trying to, like, learn a lot about uh, rap music that women certainly were not doing. There's... I'm not going to talk about exceptions to the rule, I guess, when I'm, when I'm talking about this. It's, just, it's not worth even trying to describe what percentage of women put in the same sort of obsession with most of the dudes I know who are, like, really love rap or know a lot about, like, a lot of weird tidbits that most people don't, you know? No, yeah, because I, especially this makes sense to me because, like we were talking earlier, like, rap and hip-hop is, like, a, like a, uh, a cultural glue for for boys like it's it's for it's like a way for like men to be able to like create an interface to like interact and like get to know each other better and like it becomes like the the soundtrack to like what you do with guys basically mm-hmm. i mean so you would like makes... get with your friends and freestyle in like a group <laughs> like just like yeah. the most retarded shit of all time and like people like there's there's a racial element to it obviously where if someone like wants to cut you down or call it corny you know you just say like a white dude being into rap is like whatever blah 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 you get the message the generic idea here um but there's a that was that's like a very unifying factor for like me ryan and gary especially anytime if we like went out with people or like people we didn't know we needed to find common ground and like maybe a rapper was playing like you'd say something about if if a rapper was on that you didn't like and it was playing somewhere, you'd be like, yeah, this dude sucks, and I like this guy better because he does blah, blah, blah. Like, just get into some, like, dumbass conversation about whatever, about rap music. And then, like, someone would overhear that and be like, oh, shit, dude, you know, like, fucking, you know, Necro? That's cool, dude. Uh, and you just, like, go from there. And just, like, that was, like, an immediate way to develop a bond because everybody from my, my generation of dudes I would interact with have some sort of affinity for rap music no yeah i mean it's the it's the interface for like men to interact with each other and when it gets all the way back to like you know kanye and you know 
what we have here is like a truly like male art project, like the Apollonian like drive forward um, and the ability to like master your own like uh, perception and create your own like narrative and thrust it forward. Into I'm so fucking glad you're more like, articulate so... than I am, Zach. This is like <laughs> no. I, I like this. Not at all. I'm like I'm inarticulate. I'm like grasping to like uh, don't do that. Pull everything together. No, 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 no. no. Zach, Zach's articulate. <laughs> Everybody listening knows that you don't need to. Don't need to be bashful, Zach. This is that was a that was a perfect uh, summary of what I was trying to get at. Basically, I like that. I just am happy that it's like there. You know what? Like you know, if everything that belongs to like men is like being like degraded and taken away and like devalued, like men are camping out in the bastion of like of like fucking future together. Like We're fucking at least down that's... bad right now. We're and it's incredible. And it's bad. so right because like. They get to say what every man is basically thinking, which is, like, the <laughs> eternal, like, dick thrusting and, like, fucking and, like, the male possession, right? Like, all of these rap songs about, like, being successful and, like, having sex with hot people and, like, doing cool drugs. Like, mm. it gets it gets a pass because... Um, uh, let me let me try to say this gracefully. It gets a, it gets a pass because it's, uh, you know by an underrepresented community. <laughs> what, so, what do you mean? I don't get it. I'm confused. <laughs> With that line, I'm like, now genuinely confused and I don't understand anything we've been talking about for the last hour. Like, in, like, the cultural climate, because, I'm like, you know, I'm rap yeah. is, like, black, made by black people. What? Mostly. It's like, what? The fuck, dude? I'm sorry. What I'm, did you I'm, say? I'm, this is a mistake. See you guys. <laughs> I, uh... I, I, it's like a Trojan horse. Like, like men finally get like uh this this one place to like preserve masculinity and it's like through like the trojan horse of like wokeness like thank god this is the one good thing we get kanye it's so great because even the people who are on like woke shit they will even have most of them anyway will have to admit like some level of absolute genius to kanye like it's even if they don't give him too much credit they'll at least be like yeah he is a g like anytime i've had a disagreement about kanye with someone i'll like press them extremely hard because it's like if someone is in my periphery talking shit about kanye like very loudly or like boisterously i'm like this is this person is like talking shit about me like it's, yeah. it might as well be the same thing you know we're both like classic gemini archetypes the, the entirety i love the uh the entire spirit, especially behind, like, th from college dropout through graduation, was, like, you know, nobody, uh, the odds are stacked together. Like, the underdog rapper, basically, is basically the archetype to make it as succinct as possible. And then fucking, you know, any dude gets inspired by some sort of tale of some guy who, like, if he's a rapper, gets ignored by, like, record labels and no one wants to hear his shit, he, like, makes Jesus... Jesus walks, makes it, and plays it as is, like, final version that ended up on the album being played for, like, record labels Kanye was trying to sign with, and then them just being like, nah, we, we can't we can't do this, this isn't, this isn't for us, we, we can't sell this. And that's a very inspiring story for any sort of... Like, any sort of classically straight guy who loves a good, like, come to coming of being, you know? Like, fully articulating. Um, uh, uh, someone are fully articulating themselves in a way where yeah, 
they make a product where it's immediately like recognizable and loved by so many people. It's a very, I feel like very classic straight guy thing to be into. Yes. And the whole project from start to end is a wonderful smuggling of like actual like masculinity and like a way for like men to like know each other. And it's uh, both like brazen and offensive and vulgar and but there's also gets... an extreme amount of heart there. Also, of course, which right. balances it out in the the perfect way. I'm gonna cut you off. Yeah, because but... it, it's it, like you said, it's like the truest representation of himself. Like he's truly like crafting himself, both in terms of like his public persona and in his music, like with complete like heart and with like genuine like um kind of like the same spirit of car crash. Like it's it's very similar. Like just uh you know presenting without like a lens of irony or like joke and like doing it so like seriously and the whole project from start to finish is really moving to me because we get like this wonderful masculinity this like sublime like transcendental creation of the self and it's all like smuggled into like pop culture and nobody is allowed to like let it not be there yeah it's it's unstoppable almost like even if you go to, like, I, I talked about, I mentioned this earlier, like, the Chick-fil-A line in Jesus is King. This, that's not exactly what I'm getting at here, but that's the most immediate example of, like, a corny Kanye joke in a song. Yeah. Like, if there's, there's, anytime someone is fully just, like, going the fuck off and just being, like, who, like, I guess who they genuinely are or, like, attempting a thing, basically. There's a level of cringe that goes along with it, and I, I've always I've always respected Kanye for being able to like say cringe stuff, and I don't mean this like very negatively. Like I at the time I wasn't saying like I wasn't thinking that anything Kanye was doing was cringe, but looking back on it, maybe you get like a, an inkling of just being to where if you were trying to sound like the coolest fucking guy, and if you were like trying to tell everybody that you're the greatest rapper of all time, like you wouldn't offhand think to say this line um and you could just like there's a level of cringe anybody who's being distinctly themselves at all times or at least attempting that there's going to be a couple instances of absolute bombs where you say something and even though people may know what you're getting at you're gonna be a cringe type person like on, on you talked about car crash about this like that's a big point of it because you know a lot of like shows are terminally online and like I am to some degree, but Gary and Ryan really aren't like logged in to like right. the online Twitter discourse. And all three of us kind of say things sometimes that don't gel with a, with a narrative really. I don't mean this, but we're pretty much renegades, but fucking it's like, there's anytime you're not fully tapped in to what everybody else is doing, you're going to say something that's cringe and embarrassing. And I think that's the, almost the most valuable part of being try like doing a Kanye sort of thing with anything, if that makes sense yes. at all. So now that we've kind of like figured out like the way to like manifest power through Kanye, let's talk about Yeezus.
This is a 2013 album by Kanye West, and uh, like I've mentioned many times on the podcast already, this was one of the first records that began to give me a sense of artistry in a uh, larger sense, as well as the first hip-hop album I ever truly loved with my heart. And thinking about it now, as we're approaching the end of I'm So Popular Season 2, and uh, considering our, our conversation on the Patreon episode, I'm I'm thinking a lot about this album as a sheer force of ego and all of its uh, unruly, disturbing edges. And uh, it continues to fascinate me, you know, almost 10 years later. And I think it probably will for the rest of my life. I'm currently holding my, my CD of it in its completely unmarked case, staring at my reflection with the red sticker and uh, absolutely nothing on it but a sticker with the credits on the back. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts about Yeezus are in, in general, Eddie. Yeah, the uh, when Yeezus came out, that was like my Kanye Dark Ages. Uh, I, you know, MBGTF came out, and then like, you know, 10 years later, every Insta- every rap Instagram was just like only posting about that album. When, so the uh, the whole Kanye thing is my high school career and like my adolescence puberty era is sort of bookended between graduation and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, um, and in that same time I was like very obsessed with Jay Z. Like I was like he's he's the goat, he's the best, he's like the best rapper of all time. Um, he hadn't yet outed himself as the corniest motherfucker to walk the like only outmatched by Eminem is Jay Z's ability to ruin his own like artistic merit in his career but you know i digress so it's sort of bookended by those two albums and then you know he was like putting out the uh the good the cruel summer stuff or whatever uh from the period after my beautiful dark twist of fantasy and then yeezus so that was sort of my like dark era for him because he put out watch the throne at the same time and i was like Kanye's fucking with jay-z way too heavy and jay-z is absolutely fucking corny at this point to me so like i kind of faded out and I, uh, I took a vacation to, f- I was in uh, Jersey Shore. Actually, I thought it was Florida, but it was just Jersey Shore. And um, I was sitting in bed, and I just finished watching, like, a fucking dumb baseball game that I enjoyed. It was, like, a who-gives-a-fuck game. But then uh, after that game, I was, like, in a good mood. I was, like, this is, like, a very – there's moments in your life where you just have, like, this is, like – Nothing is happening, but it's just very genuinely pleasing to me at the moment. Like, this feels like a moment I'm going to remember. And, like, I remember having that thought, like, very specifically. And then I was just flipping through the channels at this vacation beach house on the Jersey Shore that my parents and my, like, mom's side of the family had rented. And I turned on SNL. And I had no idea Kanye was putting out a new album. Like, I was... This was sort of like my early 4chan music board 
like venturing out into different genres of music at that point, like being obsessed with like everything else outside of Kanye. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was performing Black Skinhead on SNL. And I was just at my, like, this beach house watching. I was like, oh, Kanye's about to be cool again to me. And Yeezus came out, and I was like, I was like a classic, like, idiot uh, Death Grips guy at that point. I was like, Death Grips are the shit. And I could see, like, the, uh, the noisiness being borrowed, kind of. Even if he wasn't even aware who they were, they were still, like... I knew at that time he was like able to tap into the zeitgeist of what other people were into. Like, oh, extremely noisy rap music is about to come back. Not even come back, it was just like start in the way that he had kind of appropriated it for Yeezus. And then I was like, okay, so I'm about to be back on the Kanye train. And I was. I, I don't think Yeezus was like one of the lighter Kanye albums I was a fan of. Like when it came out, I like... Every Kanye album is sort of an event to me. Like, I'll play it nonstop for the first two weeks upon a release, no matter what. Uh, but then it, it might it might fall off after that. I won't listen to some as heavily as others. And uses the time for me was, like, the album came out, and then I just listened to it for long, probably a month, and then just stopped listening to it entirely until I came back to it really in a real way, like, last year, so... Wow, like, this album, like, never left my life, really. Like, um, from the second I first heard on site with that, uh, like, Thomas Van Galter Daft Punk production, who, like, also That's did awesome. the score for... It fucking rules. It fucking rules. And it, he also did the score for Irreversible, which, like, makes so much sense to me. Like, that moment with that explosion of, like, the rough, mm-hmm. like, industrial electronic music, plus, like, some of, like, his most, like heinous lyrics of all time like got more n-words off than Cochrane. oh my god <laughs> and it's like i was so like shocked by like the unabashed like confidence and insane like ego and uh the gall to just say whatever you fucking want in those two and a half minutes and that the album goes from that explosion of like confidence and vulgarity into like some of the like, the most like disturbing and like unwell like portraiture of himself like Mm -hmm. when you get to stuff like blood on the leaves uh and i'm in it it just is unbelievable like how you know grating and afraid of himself he is and i've always been so riveted by uh someone who can like rip themselves apart so well on an album that really is what uh kind of spawned the current iteration of kanye i mean obviously like most people are just like, oh, yeah, he got drunk at the, the VMAs and he made fun of uh, Taylor Swift and his self-reflection started then. I, like, Yeezus was the album that, like, turned Kanye into, like, the the sort of, like... Oh, my fuck. Did you just hear that? I love your cats. Jesus. Anyway, the, the fuck, it was the start of him being, like, a spectacle unto himself, basically. Uh, and Very it, true. It, it's like, it's... That was the... Because, you know, like, the there was very obviously instant, like, fucking hurry up with my damn croissants, just, like, shit like that. Like, Blood on the Leaves is also hilarious to me because it's just, like, this, like, song about, like, slaves hanging. And then fucking Connie's like, you took Molly, you ran down the hallway. And it's, like, the fucking, like, lyrics <laughs> for the song. And, like, this, the entire thing, it's, just, like, so, like, you just... Those lyrics could have been the most insightful thing of all time and related to like the the sample in the song the, and it wouldn't have even it doesn't even matter because the 
he could have said any lyrics on that song and the point he was trying to get across was still made in some weird way no yeah i actually think that you know we were talking earlier about like sampling and what it means to like lift trash out of the you know david lynch electronics to you know make something like new and to find a different way to iterate your own being and when he uses that like nina simone like a sample about you know lynchings and like corpses like hanging off of trees to write a song about him like and his like girl doing too much molly and like getting in fights and like crashing cars and like screaming at each other it's like i I love that he is able to, like, stage his emotions with, like, such a unfeigned grandiosity. Like, he just is completely capable of looking, like, slave death in the eye and saying, this is the same emotional register that I feel about a girl, like, spinning around on Molly in front of me. Because, and the thing is, like, I feel like I relate to Kanye because it's, I don't have, like, the, the black American racial element to it. Um, it's not something I, I relate to um, on a serious level, obviously because I'm white. But there's a, I can tell what he's going for as far as like equating those two emotions on some level. And I, I don't like understand it fully, but I can at least from just me knowing that I relate to certain aspects. I mean, most aspects of his personality. I, I see it on a certain level. And going back to the sampling thing, I also love that the on-site, um, the, the electronic, like the synths in that song just came from a jam session with i forget the name of the uh the musician he was working with for that was daft punk was on that song too right as far as being like credited for it yeah yeah they were credited it was daft punk and then like some european like electronic producer another one i believe um but it just came from like that song which just came out of like a jam session of just like random dissonant synth sounds being played and i can like I like the idea of him being like, all right, I just released the album that everyone has like basically unanimously, unanimously agreed upon. That's my best shit of all time. Like, what can I do now? And he just comes out with fucking on site being the opening track. I do like that a lot. Like basically what you were getting at earlier. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what you're saying is like, you, you know, of course, it's like we can't like relate to like the black American experience <laughs> or whatever. But it's like um, I, I know what it's like to have a girl on Molly fucking yell at me. I know that much. See, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, I I completely agree with, like, the way that he stages his feelings. Like, the to stage grandiosity and to look at your own emotions with, um, as some, like, catastrophic genocidal event, and to full-heartedly believe that your, like, dumb feelings about someone yelling at you on Molly is, like, just as severe as, like, one of the worst things that's happened in the history of the world what's it's so like, funny is neither so of us do you remember what's a single other lyric on blood of the Le like what's an emotionally resonant lyric it's on just blood that of molly lyric it, it's i so neither uncanny. of us can even name a single other thing that is said in that song to kind of align with our point here, and then he goes is... and let's get on with it you think about no, that see, vine like... with the guys coming in the room and slapping the paper towels off of the the bar stool just this imagery is on this record is fucked up, and I can't get it out of my head. Like the Molly lyric that just like won't ever leave me. The croissants, um, the uh, black man going into a like a high class fashion store, uh, and like trying to buy a coat. Um, like the uh, reptile in "I'm in it," 
uh, when he like describes his dick as a reptile, which is like, <laughs> uh, or um, eating Asian pussy, all I need was sweet and sour sauce. Mm. It's just like, like so vulgar and. It's just like it's uh, for me a big moment for me for real as like being like a Ron Paul 2012 like Infowars person at the time like vaguely fucking when uh, Kanye referenced the New World Order directly in 2013 on like a mainstream rap album that that was pre- that was big for me and my friends at that moment we were like oh shit dude because it's like that was the early days of like not early like relatively early days of like propagated youtube conspiracy videos right and it was always like rihanna and jay-z and like a thumbnail or something and like connie being like oh new world like even just referencing that in the song like just like at the time when it came out it's just it, it perfectly ca- like every connie album perfectly captures the zeitgeist to some degree for me um which oh, I, yeah. I always appreciate and the way that you said, like, his music kind of, like, fades into, like, the history of you. Like, it becomes, like, a, a way to, like, access the the things that you've done and, like, what kind of feelings you, you had at that time in your life. Like, it's incredible to me. There's there's so few artists who have that um, capacity that their music, like, becomes, like, a fundamental part of, like, how I perceive the past. And, like, Utara Hikaru is, like, one of them as well, I think. And, like, Bjork. <laughs> and then, like, Kanye West. And, like... I just, it's so incredible to me that, like, this became kind of, like, the cultural noise. Like, in the same way that, like, all this stuff lifted out of samples is that same, like, that same tone. This, like, became, like, the cultural noise of, like, 2013. And the fact that it was, like, all of this abject, haunted imagery of, like, really uncomfortable, awkward, like, problematic stuff is Mm -hmm. just so incredible. I can't even believe that this record exists. It's a, I'm, you're kind of making me, every Kanye album I can talk up in my head, really, it's a different thing when you get, I mean, the later half of Yeezus for me is really a drag if I'm sitting there and playing oh, that. I actually totally through. agree. And I yeah. thought that last night as well, when I was like drunk listening to it, I was like, yeah, like the, the first run of it is like perfect. And then like, it definitely like loses some traction with, um, I don't even remember the name of that one song I don't like on it. What is there, it there's uh, for me i when i first heard the album the first half like I don't, I don't even know what the fucking track list looks like for Jesus in my head but the the as soon as it gets to like around hold my liquor type area when i uh-huh. first heard it i was like okay this is where i'm like falling off i don't and then you come back everybody comes after bound two if you don't like bound two you really just don't enjoy kanye is it really got, the point guilt trip is the song i was thinking of that i like don't care about um, yeah that's, but a, like, that's a bit of a stinker but <laughs> but then you're right like it comes to bound 2 which is one of the most like shocking like uh harnessings of culture i've ever seen with that fucking music video <laughs> with kanye and kim on that can motorcycle can we just say, can we just agree seth rogan is the biggest fucking fucking, fucking faggot tarred. in the world like the, the, oh he kind of even ruined the the bound because I just like imagine every time I've like Googled or like looked up on YouTube the bound two video the second result is always like Seth that Rogen ugly turning over his shoulder like on the motor this is like it I didn't need to see that at any point but I it's also a genius move to make an album like to have a career uh, like Kanye at the time to be famous for like chipmunk soul sampling or like whatever. And then to just do an album that is the 100% antithesis of that, 
and then have the last song be that song, which goes back. Like, it seems out of place on that record, even though it was the thing he was, like, most famous for for the entire early part of his career. It's a good move. I like it. No, it's a great move. And, um, you know, it's actually crazy that you brought that Seth Rogen video up because right when I started talking about it, I had, like, a panic flash of that (laughs) fucking picture that you described, like, in my eye. And, like, Seth Rogen is, like, a reoccurring villain in the podcast universe. Like, uh, <laughs> like he keeps, like, popping up in my show, and I want him out. I want him to get out. I, I'm glad. I At least it goes with the, uh, the I feel like, the sort of spectral theme of this episode as far as um, weird synchronicities No, like, up, Seth so. Rogen, like, is, like, haunting my fucking show. That sucks. That's the worst, se- like the worst sentence I've ever heard anybody. He like, like he's in the comeback, which is like one of my favorite like TV shows that I talked mm. about with Jack, and like he like just like appears there, and then like he appeared in like the TPN episode that I did with Amanda Milius as like he had like just like attacked her. <laughs> hey, <It's> like, hey, <laughs> Zach, <laughs> Ugh, I'm back. Gross. And James Franco, fuck that fag. Yeah, I'm not those those two guys. I mean, I like. I remember my first real departure from, like, what else was going on and the people I talked to on a regular basis is when Pineapple... Like, I could not have been the more perfect demographic for, like, a Pineapple Express-type movie. And that shit came out, and all my friends were like, that's fucking hilarious. This is sick. This is a hilarious movie. And I was like, that is genuinely one of the shittiest and gayest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I was the perfect demographic for it, and even I was like... Nah, can't do it, man. Okay, I'm not gonna talk about Seth Rogen ever again on my yeah, podcast. Yeah, please, let's This his, is yeah. If anyone ever says Seth Rogen again on my podcast, I'm going to end the Zoom call and delete the podcast. I feel I feel kind of dirty now after this like very this very nice conversation about Kanye and just everything um, being all tied together, and then we just like uh, right, that was haunted I bring up by Seth Rogen, Rogen <laughs> yeah. and that fucking picture of him looking over his back. I hate him. He's got his like lips pursed, and he's like has those stop glasses on in the picture. I think it is stop. in the thumbnail. That, the glasses, oh, thick oh. rims. They're like rectangles. They're not even like vaguely square. They're just full I'm thinking on. about like 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 the like the liver spots or whatever on his hairy back. Yeah. I like his curly hair though. That is cute. That part. I bet he was like is that smoking. Cute? I was smoking. He was smoking like dope ass weed when he when he did that video. He was like high as hell. He didn't even know what was going on. It was crazy. Okay, bound to. <laughs> I'm going to liberate it from Seth Fuckface Rogan. I cannot believe that this song is such a like like you said like him going back all the way to like what he did with um you know his earlier like you know the sped up soul samples or whatever Mm -hmm. and doing it at the very end of this album uh just to make this really unfortunate like picture of modern love like the way that the relationship is described in this song is so tragic and like digital and haunted that like it feels like the semblance of like so many like contemporary relationships and the haunted love thing before i fucking lose this thread of thought here that 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 that, this is that's starting with the fucking blood on the leaves like retarded molly hallway line that's really where like the cartoonish like haunted specter of like love in the internet age through kanye music like really started like that entire trope really starts on yeezus because like you know it's like his mom dies he does uh my beautiful dark you know and then fucking that that that's like more like uh it's like it's still not breaking from the norm of like a breakup album, really, in any real way. 
but like the cartoonish stuff as far as relating to male and female relationships specifically starts with Jesus kind of absolutely and this real it's really ties into what I'm gonna get into hopefully later on with a uh, life of Pablo but yeah and I mean the kind of like the big you know puzzle piece here that brings it all together is I am a god <laughs> which is like when earlier we were talking about like how it's uh incredible that like hip-hop and Kanye are kind of like these bastions for masculinity it's like Kanye insisting that he is like a creator and a deity and like uh making these like outlandish requests for french pastries mm-hmm. and on this like digitally like ragged like ripped up song it's like you i do really feel like kanye is right like he is like a like a force of of god like he is like some creator on a, on another level who is you know basically like engendered a perception of him and like the american consciousness like everyone has an opinion about kanye west and for him to acknowledge it on this ripped up insane piece of music and then have this like be like become part of like the whole cultural soundtrack is one of my like favorite you know moves of an artist in recent memory again you just kind of i'm not as familiar with like jesus like that like it's one of probably my if you if you added up all my run times for listening for Kanye albums. Jesus would be definitely on the the second half of the list, if not the least listened to for me as far as standard Kanye studio albums. So when the the song "I Am a God" that really I was like, all right, fuck this, because I was like at a point where I was like getting very into like be like it's I I, I don't want to talk about fucking religious beliefs on a podcast, but I was at least at a point where I was like, okay, something about this is not sitting right with me. It's um, blasphemous. Yeah, for sure. And I know that that's obviously the point. Like, I'm not, like, looking back at it with hindsight. Like, that's quite clearly, like, to fucking have a song called I Am A God where you say, hurry up with my damn croissants. Like, it's clearly tongue-in-cheek to some degree. Uh, but it, even if you're if you're looking back and being like, you know, if you think God has American mainstream media in his mind uh, to any degree... You have to think Kanye is at least the person who was given some thought as to how he is presented. Um, if you believe in a God and you think that everything is controlled to an extreme degree to where even like celebrities are saying things to give people pieces of some sort of puzzle or something, you got to think Kanye is a person who's like, okay, he's definitely meant to be incendiary. But when I that that part of the album, I was like, all right, this guy is like. I didn't fully get really the value of even if I didn't agree with it, why it was annoying me uh, at the time. But I think looking back on it now, I have like, I can still be like, I even the song I don't really enjoy, even just listening to it. Like it's not, it wouldn't even be like a guilty pleasure if I disagreed with like the sentiment, but I thought it was catchy. I just don't like the song really. Um, <laughs> but fucking, I, I do think that's, even the the point is, even with people who are like, I like the idea of even me who is willing to sit here and like literally go on a, th- probably what will end up being around three hours of a podcast to talk about Con- like talk about Kanye or a guy in general, and then still me being part of the joke of the guy, is is pretty funny to me, just talking about yeah like a fucking dumb well because um, level. you know w- one of the things about 
you know, like we've been talking about with Kanye is that like, of course, like the music and like the encased album matters, but like the overall effect is like his uh, Mishima like synthesis of like self and art and being able to consider himself as like a piece of art, like in a, in a long form. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he does something like I'm a God, which is like so, like you said, like inflammatory and like ridiculous, um, it is like more than just like kind of like an annoying like song of him like bragging or whatever. It, it's, you know, a cultural move. It's like it's man, it's like harnessing people's perception of him and the culture around him to do something artistic, which I think that Yeezus doing it in such an abrasive and shocking way with like this Comme des Garçons, like. Uh, you know, yeah. no album artwork. Like I love holding this this item. Even the, the fact title that it exists. I, we haven't even referenced the title. Oh my literally God. just being like, "I'm <laughs> Jesus," basically. Like, even even just the title just slipped. <laughs> even in the the list of hierarchy of things that are boisterous or blasphemous or obscene about the album in general. First of all, it's literally titled, "Hey, I'm pretty much like a different version of Jesus." Hey, no, seriously. And he is. He is absolutely, like, I think now it's a little bit harder to, like, re-read him that way. But I think for a time, Kanye West was absolutely, like, an apostle on Earth. I It was at least, if, I mean, it at least has value to where, like, it can be talked about on how kind of we've both read into it. I don't know if we're, like, I don't think we're necessarily misguided, but even if, like, we were just like, just like, oh, we're reading into it way too much. It's still, it even on that level of analysis provides value because we're at least like generating some sort of uh, new, like new uh, thoughts about it in a way that at least has value to me or you. So at that point, it still just has value in general. Absolutely, that's kind of rambling. Um, but I think my no, 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 no. I, I don't think it's rambling at all. Don't apologize. I, I think you're exactly right about that. And like, that's the whole thesis of my show. Is like, you don't have to like watch the movies I talk about or like read the books. Like, I, it's not. That's not the point. It's that two people coming together over a single product or like some artistic uh, expression together. Like, in itself, is like the same thing it's like it's also yeah. an artistic expression exactly exactly the same thing of it like all loops back around to us talking earlier of when you are talking about rap with a guy in a random social gathering or something and you find that and you like create a new like bond over that it's just uh it's just it's all you know same thing pretty much
You say they never saw this coming, well, you're not alone. Million dollar renovations to a happy home. My ex said she gave me the best years of her life. I saw a recent picture of her, I guess she was right. The Life of Pablo is the seventh album by Kanye West, released in 2016. And earlier, Eddie and I were talking about how uh, these records have a way of like sinking into your life. And I have visceral memories of the rele- the extremely chaotic release cycle for this album, uh, when the records seemed to be retitled, uh, recreated, reformed every two and a half weeks, uh, singles finally starting to be released every week, and I remember hearing uh, No More Parties in L.A. sitting on the floor of my dorm room and crying uh, for some inexplicable reason. And uh, I'm, I'm very curious, once again, to hear about your relationship with this tornado of a, of a musical project. Yeah, it's going to be extreme. However I end this entire synopsis of this whole thing, it's going to seem incomplete to me afterwards. So I'm going to try to tackle this the best way I can. But this ties in a lot of like uh, very um, outlandish sort of things about what was happening to me in 2016, sort of. I guess starting with, uh, yeah, the first song I heard off that album myself was No More Parties in L.A. And the timeline isn't important here because like Yeezus... It doesn't seem like Yeezus should have been the album right before this. Like, I was thinking about this earlier, how in my uh, subjective chronology of these events in my head, it doesn't seem like that's right, but it is correct. The uh, full studio album before Life of Pablo was Yeezus. And so that album comes out, I'm like sort of lukewarm on it as far as it lasting in what I listen to on a regular basis. Um, I would like revisit Bound too, but not too often for the rest of it for the most part right and then so i I'm, I'm i'm at work and i go in the back and i was like oh kanye released a song with oh madlib fucking produced it oh that's pretty crazy i didn't even think they would ever work together let me check this out and it's just like the fucking crazy like it gets lost with just like recency bias of kanye shit but the kanye his verses on that song are fucking I was not expecting that for the moment um, of no. where I was expecting him to go with shit. Like, dude, my fucking, my therapist kids played a song about the friend that just died. And then they're just going on like crazy, like accordion type rhyme scheme verses. It's just like, that was, and then the fucking Ghostface sample at the end produced by Madlib. I'm not like a Kendrick Lamar guy either, but I mean, Kendrick Lamar like accentuated the song well enough to where it like added to it. It didn't detract from it in any way. So that's fine. Well, for me, the whole point of the Kendrick feature is that everyone was like, Kendrick Lamar is the best rapper. Yeah, that too. And then Kanye literally does fucking Kanye-type shit with some guy who's like lyrical, spiritual, miracle-type stuff. And he literally does that rhyme scheme in the song. And to give him credit, I think that's self-aware enough to kind of play up his own position in rap music at that point which is pretty funny i'll give him credit right because the whole point of this song was to like uh you know kind of prove that like oh i like he he's the kanye's on top or whatever right mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's at least back to some degree of being like oh remember you like i mean the entire thing of like old kanye too like how fucking idiots are like oh mr old kanye like literal imbeciles who don't know anything and are drooling retards say that a lot they fucking 
are like, oh, I'm, there's like an interlude being like, I miss the old Kanye. He like does a song, like literally the perfect uh, approximation, at least the best you can do as being a person who has people say they miss a previous iteration of you. Like that's the best thing you could, he could have possibly done to like appease those people and be like, dude, fuck you, I'm doing uh, what I like and I can still do the shit that everyone wishes I would go back to constantly. Um, it was just a nice... It was a nice first introduction to what that album eventually became for me. No, yeah, for sure. Um, and to kind of, like, imagine this album as a single product and to, like, really, like, present the idea of it, this is all over the fucking place. And it is, is so scattershot and chaotic and overwhelming that the release cycle for it was almost like a manic experience and i remember i bought a ticket to go see the uh yeezy show of his fashion wear at a at a movie theater at an amc where they were doing a live streaming of it where he would unveil the first iteration of the album and i was terrified i was like wondering if the album was gonna be bad i was really like nervous that yeah it was completely up in the air at that point yeah and so he made this, like, circus arena show of him, like, teasing the public with the music and, like, wondering aloud what it's going to be. Like, the album cover with uh, the repeating text all over it saying, which one, which mm-hmm. one? Like, the the whole, like, bipolar, like, nightmare of this album was such, a, like, a hostage situation on, like, the American public. It's genuinely one of, like... I can't even begin to describe the fucking just huge place in my heart this album has just for the entire uh, just entire thing behind it. It's, the the rollout was insane. I I, I still have the uh, original. It has such a sentimental value to me, and I guess it's like a testament to how sentimental values for digital releases are expressed. Um, currently, I like have it on my portable hard drive from college still, like the original like a raw download off of 4chan or whatever the fuck I got it from uh, of the original leak of the uh, first version of the album. Cause it changed like small stuff was tweaked after it, but I, I'm just glad to know that I still have that original file that I downloaded somewhere of this album. No. Yeah. I still have that file too, because um, <clears throat> when I went to that, that show, they, they promised a, a, a download of the album when it would be released, which of course like never like officially happened. And after the album was released, he kept adding songs like St. Pablo, uh, fixing songs like the, the fixing wolves was like a mm-hmm. big deal. And the constant like editing and uh, re-editing of the album was like kind of looked at as this uh, postmodern uh, sort of like reformation of what an <coughs> album could be. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's it was for the time period. I mean, stuff happens like that now. I mean, that's why I feel uh, the. Um, I feel like I have carte blanche to for our show now to I've been thinking about just going back and changing certain stuff and just not telling anybody and -hmm. just like I've done it a little bit. I don't it's not immediately apparent, but I like the idea of just like a uh, a not fully fit. It's a fucking annoying now with Kanye stuff because, you know, he'll just like say stuff is going to come out and it won't or something will come out and something like Donda will just sound unfinished to some level. Um so he's kind of like ran that well dry as far as like me as just a person who wants like a a fucking cohesive and perfect album every time 
a guy releases something. I mean, it's like selfish, obviously, but this, I feel like the life of Pablo really spoiled me for that because it was done the perfect way. And then after that, when Kanye albums came out, it was done like less than perfect. Um, basically it just kind of like kind of cheapened the release almost. No, I completely agree. And like, I really respect the, you know, postmodern touch to it for this record, but now it's become so annoying and I like can't, I really can't handle it. And especially when Ye came out and like has like really like good ideas and like an interesting narrative going on. Like the fact that it was just like so, so shittily produced, it's like embarrassing like not produced sorry i mean like mastered like the mm. the actual like vocals like sound like crunchy and bad in like a really awful way um and like i just you know it makes sense to me that this record is kind of like the death of the artist like this is like the end of kanye west and it's uh it's literally like someone sticking dynamite into him and like exploding his viscera like across america like the harsh like I that he has for himself in Yeezus like on this album is even more like unhinged and like toppling over itself and disturbed and that kind of like carnage is so represented in like the release cycle and in everything about it yeah I mean it's I like I said earlier however I describe this and however I get into like what uh like how much I love this album it's gonna seem incomplete on some level but I think that's that's the perfect explanation of w- like why it's so fucking great. Honestly, um, th- it's just like f- from the release being completely weird and like it made sense for the time completely. Like there was no like it's not like a questionable thing really. Like of course Kanye is going to release an album in 2016 that just is just has a fumbled ass release, not even fumbled, but just like fucked up and weird release. And just things are constantly evolving and changing. Like it's, it's that's, that's the most representative thing you could have possibly done in the moment, which I I always love him being like, I'm going to do some shit that no one's necessarily done. And everyone like, it just seems like a thing that should be done. It's like already seems like a foregone conclusion that of course he would have done this at the time period. But I mean, even like going along with the state of America at that time for me, I mean, I like on a personal level, I was in my twilight of college, basically. And uh, I said earlier, the graduation and, and twisted fantasy kind of like book ended my high school career. Uh, fucking. So I'm like about to graduate college basically. And the life of Pablo comes out and it was such a fucking bizarre time for me. Like it was the, like the fully, I feel like if you could point to a moment where there was like a transformative sort of thing that happened where I, I like, had to sort of like tra- like move like directly into adulthood on some like deeper level. It was like a constant like kind of like even before that time period you probably could have said I was like a completely unreflective man child to some degree, which I mean obviously a man child would like love Kanye shit. Like that makes perfect sense. And then fucking that album comes out and is I was, like, just starting to do, like, dumb, like, dating shit, basically. Like, I had never really been involved with, like, a romantic sort of world in the slightest. Like, complete, like, weird incel guy, almost. Like, I feel like there was, like, a level of self-reflection where it was, like, I wasn't fully just a complete out-of-my-mind maniac. 
but just like fully like i had not ever like been with another person on like any sort of sustained uh period of time or whatever so i started just like doing like doing like literally like weird fucking dumb stuff like going to like some single mother mexican girl's house at like 2 a.m and like some shitty fucking one bed not even shitty just like standard like beige carpet beige walls apartment it's just like a box basically and just being like yeah i'm just here to like the i i just downloaded the life of pablo recently so when i was hyping myself to come up over here i fucking played like no more parties in la on a 30 minute drive to this single mother mexican girl's house and i was just doing like bizarre stuff like that like weird tinder stuff and just like listen to that i'm like oh this is hilarious like hey just bleach his asshole uh, fucking that's that's pretty funny uh, and then fucking, so I eventually like started like d- dating this girl. I'm a lot of passages time and weird fucking meetings in between this. But, uh, I started, I started dating this girl. It was like the first person I'd been like in a serious relationship with. And I mean, with any of Kanye's stuff, there's always like a tinge of like heartbrokenness almost. I mean, just Absolutely. like uh, fucking like, con- like just it's, how do I say this? <clears throat> there's like a um just a, i guess that's the best way to say it just there's a heartbrokenness to it but there's a uh also like we had talked about earlier the sort of comedic like almost clownish and cartoonish like way he relates to relationships was basically how i was like interpreting my like budding like uh, um, relatively young sort of like love situation I had going on. I mean, it's like, and it's also completely toxic on like just the objective level. Also, like I was like just an immature idiot trying to like make a fucking absolutely God awful and shitty relationship work. And it, but it's just like something about that album perfectly accentuated that time period for me. Like it was, I wasn't expecting a guy I used to really fucking like love and admire to release an album that would have soundtracked that time period. Um, really, it was yeah. like a nice ex- unexpected surprise. Well, I mean, not to you know, make the grand like American, like oh the Trumpian state of America. No, and then that too. Yeah, right. But like to be honest, like America was fucking weird in 2016, and it was so like. I mean, the only other artist I, th- I feel like who's been able to kind of uh, summon that feeling for me is, like, Lana Del Rey when she's, like, singing about, like, Black Lives Matter in, like, a Walmart, par- like, parking lot. And it's, like, I feel like Kanye in this, like, complete, like, ego death that he stages on this album, like, he incidentally is, like, pulling across, like, the way that everything in the country, like, felt so, like, distant from everything. And, uh, I mean, the the nature of America and it being, like, all of these, like, little pockets of of urban cities and like small towns that are like divided by these enormous like masses of land like the sort of like distance there that like started to like manifest in people like makes sense with like the really like lonely like upset kind of tone of this record yeah i mean it's it there okay so yeah i'm so glad you said that too because the entirety of like this life of pablo like era in my head when i think about this album it's it sort of works on two levels. There was like an intense personal synchronicity going on with me. And then also the entirety of America with like Trump, like Trump really being like a phenomena 
at a certain point. Like it was all like sort of coming to a head almost at that point. I mean, it's hard to, it was like the world was finally getting as cartoonish and weird and like synchronous as I was thinking it might on just like an instinctual level. Like I was uh, like, I feel like anybody who was sort of tapped in to any sort of alternative narrative about what was happening at the time, like would have already been feeling this on some sort of baser level, but just, I love this album for perfectly kind of encapsulating that sort of feeling at the time. Like it was synchronicities were working on like just relations between how I was listening to I was like uh, interpreting art at the time. Maybe I'm just like, I just had like a schizo break when I did acid that year on Easter. I really still don't, I'm not entirely sure how this all relates, but on at least an emotional level, it was nice to see something reflect the weird synchronicities that were happening constantly in the, uh, the more grand media narrative at the time. And you have this like small microcosm of an album kind of reflecting that for me on an extremely like emotional level. Like even like the fucking line, a lot of people like the shit on this, the opening line of father stretch my hands, the, the bleached asshole line. That is one of my favorite fucking lines in any song ever, because it's, it's like in just in two bars, two to four bars or whatever the fuck it is just completely encapsulates why Kanye fucking rules, essentially. Oh, yeah. Like, be, I mean, be that, like that if I fuck this like model the... and she bleaches her asshole, you know, bleach, some, like, having your opening line of your album being about a bleached asshole is obviously crass and just fucking obscene, whatever. But just, like, just the, 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 the emotion he's relating to of being, like, if I fuck this random model and her asshole is bleached, and it gets on my t-shirt, I'm going to feel like a piece of shit. Like, that's such a funny and, like, relatable sort of just line to say about just having, like, meaningless sex with some girl or something. It's very funny. Well, no, it's, like, it's manifesting the absurd. Like, Kanye seems to have, like, some, like, awareness that the way that the country and culture is unfolding is, like, ridiculous and stupid. And so, of course, like, that, like, ends up reflecting when he is imagining relationships between, you know, people. And it gets distended into, like, this, like, awkward exchange of, like, you know, bleached assholes and (laughs) anal sex and, like, sheets that are, like, uh, you know stained with a uh, sun like sun like tanning shit like yeah exactly all yeah. of like the the imagery is like all of this like ridiculous like decadent fallout and it feels like deathly and tragic but uh he still has like that uh, emotionality to him where it's like even though like there's all of like these like creepy like layers to it there's also like the you know the grinning like boy like the cute little kanye that's always there <laughs> it's it's so I, I think that's why I liked it too. And I probably, I probably did this purposely. I don't uh, like uh, when I'm thinking about it now, I probably tried to extract some of that feeling um, out of what I was doing. And my, I was like literally being like a retard going on Tinder and like meeting random girls and then just like doing shit for the story of doing stuff. And, like, I, I don't know whether I did that because I would have done that anyway, just because it's funny. And me and Connie have similar, like, enough personalities to where 
I get the humor or like why that's valuable to like look back on or something. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just it's such a it's such a funny album to have for that time period. Like I was literally well, just, just going like out the, and that's doing like the stuff. Theme for the theme of thirty hours, right? Like that's exactly what he's talking about when you're like in this um bizarre possessed state where you're so driven by like some weird impulse to you that you end up like driving like over these excesses. I of fucking American love you, highways. because you, you literally. <laughs> You just keep leading me into you're the perfect. Uh, this is one of my favorite. I love doing uh, shows about a specific thing where someone can properly guide me because th- what I was trying to get at earlier with like the outer and inner synchronicities of like how this album was relating to my personal life at the time and then how it was like reflecting in the the larger scope of things. So the song Thirty Hours. By the way, the most fucking underrated Kanye song. I don't oh, think I, yeah. I've it never might be one of my it. favorites of all time. It's, like it's literally one of my favorite. Yeah, it's genuinely one of the greatest because even at that time, so I had no idea when this album first leaked um, that I would be like about to be embarking on like my first real like uh, connection, like really genuinely another like real connection with another person. I mean, even discounting the fact it was like my first like genuine and real relationship. Um, it was a long distance one at that. I, we had like met, and when she was like staying in where I lived at, um, at the time, and she was like staying there, but then she went back to school. Sound familiar? And then fucking, <laughs> g- uh, went to uh, another place in my state, and I would have to drive like three hours. I mean, it's not thirty hours, but the sentiment is still there. It's it's some degree of driving for something fucking uh, ridiculous. And Isn't just, that uh the 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 Tinder Mexican lady? What didn't you fist her? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the thing with that. Yeah, that's that's so like that's so life of Pablo. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's I literally that was very early on because I remember this period. There was a night where me and Gary were walking out of work, um, and I found a hundred dollars on the ground. Gary had just started at my job, and he broke a bunch of shit in the middle of like everyone. Um, earlier on in the shift and it was like one of his first nights working there and it was the most embarrassing scene i had ever witnessed in my entire life and then fucking we're leaving work that night and carrie's like still down in the dumps kind of about it at least on some level and then we're just walking out and i'm just like looking at the ground and we're walking to our cars and i just find a hundred dollars on the ground i literally left that night and went and bought like beer which i don't like i didn't drink at all at the time and then i bought fallout four and then I went home and I played that. And then I sort of like that sort of segues into the other, like the the life of Pablo leak and then like what happened after that. Um, it was it was very just me constantly just getting myself into dumb shit. And like also like even not even having the self-awareness to like like afterwards, I would like feel bad, even though I know on some level I was just doing stuff. Because I thought it was like fun, like I knew it would be funny to retell later in the similar way of like telling the line with the fucking bleached asshole and feeling like an asshole, or like driving fucking 30 hours to see some girl who was sucking a dick the whole time. <laughs> it, it's funny because like the like the temporal, like fractured memories or whatever like the bizarre episodes that he chooses to include on this album is like his psyche is like snapping to pieces and he's like reconciling with his own existence like the kind of like bizarre like flotsam memories that come to the surface for him i mean like 
that's that's uh really like the true like beauty of being alive are these like bizarre absurd like things that happen to you and then just uh become like reoccurring like memories in your <laughs> constant consciousness and like the like the fisted mexican woman the <laughs> driving across like the highway yeah, it's just, like all the yeah. same as the bleached asshole like it's all <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's literally there. that sounds so fucking hilarious like someone could clip that that part of the episode and just be like oh we're just like completely pretentiously talking about kanye but i genuinely feel like that is 100 like eternally true like it's so fucking funny to me man well it's, the proof I, is in the is, is in the first song like uh, ultralight beams which is like the closest he's ever gotten to like evoking god like uh, everything it, he didn't of- get as good on Jesus is King as he did on Life of Pablo. Yeah, this album is w- way more like uh convincingly like Christian and like uh trembling before God than anything he's done. Yeah. And I feel like um one day through like the process of uh you know exercising himself with like Donta and you know Jesus is King, I think one day he'll be able to make like an album length statement to the same degree that he was on uh on uh, that ultralight beam song which was one of the most like moving and sublime musical experiences i've ever had when i heard it for the first time yeah i mean it's you can't have especially someone who is as like dual-sided as like a kanye you can't have a convincingly spiritual work without having some sort of darker element to it and have it be convincing that's the problem that Jesus is King probably has is that that album could never inspire like a, a fucking Ricky Gervais atheist who likes rap to fucking like be interested in religion at all. What's what's fucking uh, what reaches out to people is having some sort of degree of darkness to your shit to where it's like, yo, I, I know like what is fucking bad and I know what makes you feel bad, listener. I want to convince you that this is the the correct path for you if you feel that way. Um that that's way more convincing than just a full on like overtly like I don't even know what the word like I'm not, I'm not I don't even know how to say this like just very uh, just unapologetically like no reference to any sort of negativity that anybody listening might be um, convinced to repel away from almost. Oh, so true, Queen. <laughs> Am I gay now? No, you you just you. <laughs> this got is what happens. The... You talk about art. You fucking start turning gay. Like yeah, you start you start boots, leg, wig, and twirl. It's mm. uh, just the the gay when you get so moved by a piece of art <laughs> that you like start like spinning out of control. Is like boots, wig, leg, and twirl. You, I just it, think it it's very you that, too. That's a very utilitarian. Also, I feel like I'm not being too uh, ridiculous when I say that. It's like. It's not fucking gonna like life of Pablo really, and I'm still not really getting at the heart of this right now. But no, just, no, you don't have to say that you're not like the. It's not about you know getting exactly what you want said. Like it's just about a, you know authentically emoting about something you love. And like I'm so like touched to like hear about how this record like just like sat with your life and like how you like think about your past and like your whole being is like channeled through like this one album that someone made like isn't that incredible that like yeah yeah i really think that's the that's the the value of kanye also to me because i can do the i could do this same thing i don't feel as strongly about some of the others but i could do this same thing with 
if I really tried any of the other albums we've been talking about, really. Yeah, like we ha- we haven't even said one word about 808s and heartbreaks and heartbreak really, and I could like go off to the same degree on that album. So I think that's a testament to at least why um, Kanye has some value. Absolutely. I mean, it's um really special to see an artist who's uh at you know a complete juncture of disaster, and their entire social world is crumbling apart. Um and they choose to represent it in this broken, fucked up way uh, and it, have it be so convincingly evocative that it begins to, you know, create impressions and truths in, in, in people. I just think that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you got to tie it in also to going back to like warping into the 2016 American election narrative like him, like people say, like I remember hearing people be like, yeah, Kanye had a mental breakdown on stage and he's just like on a fucking floating stage with like angelic golden lights surrounding him and people trying to climb up and being like, Mark Zuckerberg lied to you. Hillary Clinton lied to you. Fuck. Like Jay-Z call me, dude. Don't send shooters at like, that's the, that's the fucking greatest thing he could have possibly done in that moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I was at, uh, I was at a con. I saw the uh, St. Pablo tour uh, by myself in Seattle in that demented moving stage, and the the staging of that show and him doing like music from uh, this record, like hovering above people and just like floating in this weird state. I mean, I haven't seen anything like it, and it's like so true for the album. Yeah, the only Kanye show I went to was the uh, the Glow in the Dark tour. This like the graduation tour, and I remember being severely dis- like the most disappointed I've ever been in my life. Um, really, one hundred percent. So Kanye was performing "Touch the Sky," and me and my friend, big touch this, big Lupe heads, big Fiasco heads. We love Lupe Fiasco at the time. And I brought my friend, it was like my birthday gift to go see the Glow in the Dark tour with Kanye after graduation came out. And see Lupe's set, he comes on, it's sick. We're like, oh shit, he's our favorite, he's the best. Kanye's gonna come up later, he's gonna be even better though. And then Kanye is like, it's nearing towards the end of his set, like, quite clearly. And fucking, he starts doing Touch the Sky. And as soon as the song starts, me and my friend are like, oh shit, dude, is Lupe gonna come out and do his verse? He did not. It was <laughs> fucking like four, like three or four seconds of silence with the instrumental playing, and then Kanye going in perfect Kanye fashion. I, I guess Lupe didn't get the memo, and then just fucking continue with his next verse. Oh my god, it was very. Funny. I mean, yeah. Another thing about Kanye that I've been thinking about is that he like can't really rap anymore. Like he's like lost the ability to rap, which like also happened to Jay Z. Bless his uh corny soul Mm. and um that this was like kind of the last record where he ever like convincingly quote spit a verse unquote is uh (laughs) really fitting i think and also it being probably what i imagine will be his last tour like i don't think he'll be performing again it seems like he never will i don't i that's the best thing too is because we could have been having the same conversation like directly after life of pablo came out and pretty much had uh, at least i would have had the same thing of being like i really don't know what he could possibly do next um i th- i he's got to stick around right like you think about it like he has at least people will at least care enough to like 
re like hate read a story about him or something on clickbait websites. So he'll at least have value to like the mainstream narrative for that reason. For I guess you probably give him ten years just on merit alone. Uh, but I don't. I really wonder. I mean, I, I, I think I have faith enough to where I think he'll come out with another thing where we'll both be like, oh, this has an incredible amount of value and, and fucking in comparison to like a, a Donda or a Jesus is King, which maybe are like good ideas or like decent for the time, but don't have staying power almost. Yeah. I don't know. Should be interesting. I I don't like the current thread he's on, like you said earlier. I don't but, either. And um, but I think that's also the point. If he's thinking about his public perception to that crazy degree, because I mean, if you're Kanye and your wife just divorced you, what does it matter if you're fucking Julia Fox? Like to you, that's just like a thing you're doing. Same way you fist the Mexican on a Tinder date, three in the morning or something. You know, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs>